and we don't currently know anything about how it came to be lost in the ground for all that time. In 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums, we're delving into the collections to discover objects that can tell us stories about the past and make us think about the present and the future. I'm Millie Wellborn, Museum Assistant at Lancaster City Museums. Today, on 100 Years, 100 Objects, we're taking a look at an expensive object, something that tells the story of rare materials and a life of luxury. But it also shows us how something dropped by accident can tell us about how past generations have shared the spaces we now live in. Today's object is a gold and diamond ring. The ring looks similar to something that might be worn today. It is made up of a thin gold band which supports a gold bezel. Within the bezel is set a small, roughly shaped diamond. It has not been cut, but instead has been smoothed and polished, giving it a slightly uneven, domed shape. It is believed to date from the 13th or 14th century, when the materials it is made of, gold and diamond, would have been very rare. Charlotte Apley, museum manager at Lancaster City Museum, has fond feelings for the ring and took time out to explain for us why she likes this object so much and what it means to her. So when I first joined the museum team, one of the first projects I was involved with was the Loonsdale Camera Club, who wanted to combine their photography with some local history. Some of the members came to the museum, chose objects that they were just drawn to, and the ring was one of them, was one of the first objects that I saw out of its case and really had the chance to delve into. So one of the nice things about the ring is that we've got a lovely object history file with lots of handwritten letters and um, all sorts of things surrounding it. So it was a really nice object to start with and a really lovely way to connect to the museum's collection so early on in my job here as well. It just sort of so happened that it was a really nice project. You don't always get those where you get to work with the objects after the cases and things like that. So uh, that felt like something really special. So what do we know about the history of the ring? Where and how was it found? The ring was found on the site of Moorholm Castle and Manor House, which was in an area of what is now Carnforth, called Dock Acres, and it would have been lying underneath what is now Pine Lake Holiday Resort. It was found alongside pieces of 13th and 14th century pottery during excavations in 1975. It came to the museum's collection as a gift from the Lancaster Archaeological Society and the actual finder was a lady who lived in Hesham and was a member of the society. And one of the nice things about this object is that we've got lots of letters and things like that from the time it was found. So it says in a letter to the, at the time, Keeper of Archaeology at Lancaster City Museums, that she was thrilled to realise that she was the first person to handle the ring for what could be easily 600 years. Also describes herself as a very amateur member of the society, and after her find, I imagine found herself all of a sudden surrounded by the various investigations into the history of the tiny little ring that she managed to find in what must have been quite a big site. And when you, when you see it, it is tiny um you know from the gold band that maybe would have caught some sunlight or something it's so slender so it's amazing that she even spotted it in the first place it just makes me wonder what a fascinating way to learn 
about the process that these things go through from coming across something so tiny by chance you could easily have missed it. Let's find out a little more about Moorholm Castle, which stood in the area where the ring was found, and also find out what sort of person might have owned the ring. Uh, Moorholm Castle stood in what is now the parish of Wharton, and like many place names of this age, it's referred to by various different names depending on where you find it. So it does come up as Moorhull, Moorhull, various different spellings as well. The site itself has been described as a probable Mott and Bailey timber castle, although possibly stone built as well. It's not really clear. And also as a fortified manor house. But very sadly, there are no visible remains and the excavations in 1975 showed that a lot of the site had been quarried, including a lot of the structural remains. The pottery that was found and the ring give some of the big indications of the time scale of its occupation, but there is also, of course, documentary evidence. So the Manor House of Moorholm was first mentioned in 1246 and last recorded in 1435, so it gives us an idea of when it was being used, um, but the ring and the pottery certainly help as well as the, the dates of the manor house helping us work out when the ring comes from too. Unfortunately and very frustrating we don't currently know anything about the owner of the ring or how it came to be lost in the ground for all that time but at the time the ring was being worn by whoever its owner was diamonds were still really an accessory for the elite so they weren't common and jewellery of this period was much more likely to contain rubies or sapphires so the occupants of Moorhome Castle would have been the home of the medieval lords of Wharton, which doesn't really give us much um, in the way of clues, but the diamond itself gives us a little bit more indication. Charlotte told us a little bit more about the materials that the ring is made from, where they came from, and what this meant for the ring when it was found. So it's a golden diamond ring. Uh, the diamond is an octahedron, and it's most likely from India originally. So we think it was dropped at the same time that the manor was sort of actively being used. And at that time, diamonds weren't being mined anywhere else really until the 16th century. So it can only really have come from India. We've learnt a lot over the last 50 years about how diamonds are formed, which makes it much easier to predict where they might be found. But at the time our diamond was found, there were limited quantities for a very limited market, which was only slowly spreading into Europe. So it's a really interesting time for diamonds, really. And one of the interesting things about this ring is that even though you would look at it and call it treasure, it doesn't actually qualify. So there are people who know a lot more about the Treasure Act than I do, which came in in 1996, but before that the scheme was called Treasure Trove and found objects had to meet certain criteria. And one of those is that it needed to have been purposefully put somewhere in order to be recovered later on. So as well as being precious, it also had to be hidden. And as there was no evidence that this was the case with our ring, it wasn't automatically offered to its local museum, which is the process now, uh, and instead was returned to the finders. But thankfully, it was donated to the museum, where it's still on display. To finish off the story of the ring, we asked Charlotte whether it had become an important object to the community. So I would say yes, it is. 
the existence of the More Home Local History Society suggests that it's a community with a lot of pride for its own history. And a lot of research was carried out really quickly after the, the discovery of the ring. And it just seems to be one of the earliest diamonds found in this country. So it's a really significant find. And the people that were involved in the research after it was found just show what level of interest there was. So it wasn't just historians, it was gemologists and all sorts of different fields um, started to get involved to work out where it might have come from. And there were quite a lot of articles published on the finding of the ring and it even made the front page of the Lancaster Guardian in 1976. So this was the first object in the museum's collection that I ever got to work on. And even though our objects are on display, there's nothing quite like taking away the glass and getting to see something in the same way the owner would have seen it and experienced it. And it's such a tiny object that made such a huge journey to end up in Carnforth. And like so many of our objects, you just really wish that it could tell its own story and you could see its journey through its own eyes if you will <laughs> that was 100 years 100 objects stories from the collections of lancaster city museums please do join us for future episodes where we will be discussing everything from shop signs to suffragettes <laughs>